Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. He spoke in faith, he believed God, and then he made a vow. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are some vows that are really important. You should keep them. The vows that you made at an altar when you were married. The vows that parents make when they dedicate children. Yes, there are vows that we make that we ought to keep. But in Jephthah's case, he made a vow that was uncalled for. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see. Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. Did you know that it is impossible to have strong faith but weak doctrine? Today, Pastor Ed will be teaching us the story of Jephthah in the book of Judges. This man had great faith in God, yet he made a rash vow to God and learned a horrible lesson through it. The Bible says that it is better not to make any vows to God and for your yes to be yes and your no to be no. Jephthah didn't have great faith along with sound doctrine. Purpose to add to your faith the teachings of the Bible on a daily basis so that you can have proper discernment. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith And we're going to read a portion of Scripture found in Judges chapter 11. Now I'm referring to really all of Jephthah's life, but I'm especially lifting out a point, a place where he makes a vow to God. And he fulfills that vow. He keeps it. See, he's a man of his word. And he has a strong faith. But it's possible to have strong faith and weak doctrine, which is always a recipe for disaster. Judges chapter 11, verses 29 to 31. Now Jephthah has just started going in and going after the enemy of Israel. And the Bible says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. He crossed Gilead and Manasseh passed through Mizpah of Gilead. And from there he advanced against the Ammonites. And Jephthah, made a vow to the Lord. If you give the Anamites into my hands, whatever, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's. And I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Now he made that vow to God, a commitment after the Spirit of God comes upon him, after he has spoken in faith to the king of the Ammonites, saying, God's going to judge between you and me. This vow is in a moment of emotion. How many of you have made promises to God, vows to God, in a moment of emotion, and you fail to keep them? Well, he kept his. He was the son of a preacher, and he felt the call into the ministry as well. 
And so Reverend John Wayne Brown Jr. committed himself to the work of an evangelist. Now his work was primarily among Pentecostal churches. And he would preach revival services. He was a good preacher. And he was a man of faith. In fact, uh, he was in uh, Jackson County, Alabama, where he was preaching revival services at a Pentecostal church, and the services just went on over a week. Now, if you would have visited the church, you happen to be in the area there, you might attend that church. Uh, They believed in speaking in tongues. They would pray over the sick, and the sick were healed. Uh, They believed strongly in, in faith. People danced in the spirit, were slain in the spirit. Now, he was a man of faith. His wife, years earlier, three years to be exact, Melinda died. And he was raising five children on his own. And it didn't, it didn't destroy his faith or sidetrack him from what he felt God wanted him to do. Well, during the service, he picked up one of the snakes that they had there at the church, began, continued preaching, and after a while, that snake bit him. Now, he had been bitten before by the snakes, survived, but this time, about 15 minutes into the message, he fell down and he died. Congregation gathered around and prayed because they believed God. Well, he was taken to the hospital to hit the newspapers. They interviewed people from that congregation. Would they change? Would they do anything different? Uh, one said, we'll be a little more cautious. But one of the pastors on the platform with him that particular day said this. A lot of people don't understand us. We are just normal people, but we believe God's word. See, they would stand on Mark chapter 16, 17, 18, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. They had strong faith, but weak doctrine, weak theology. And strong faith, coupled with weak doctrine and theology, is always a recipe for disaster. Jephthah was a man of strong faith. He was a man who believed God. He believed God so much that he was willing to go against God's enemies, that he spoke about the name of Jehovah. He trusted God, but yet he made some fatal mistakes. See, weak doctrine can lead to unsound religious commitments. Weak doctrine can lead to unsound religious commitments. In Titus 2, 1, it says, you must teach what is according to sound doctrine. Now, if you look at the text in verse 30 and 31 that we read, and Jephthah made a vow to the Lord. Now, I want you to just 
Think about this vow. He says, if you give me the, the Ammonites into, notice, my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house, to meet me when I return and I triumph from the Ammonites, uh, will be the Lord's. I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. He spoke in faith, he believed God, and then he made a vow. Now, don't misunderstand me. There are some vows that are really important. You should keep them. The vows that you made at an altar when you were married. The vows that parents make when they dedicate children. Yes, there are vows that we make that we ought to keep. But in Jephthah's case, he made a vow that was uncalled for. It was an uncalled for vow. The text says the spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah. So the anointing comes upon him. Three of the judges, in the book of Judges, it tells us how the spirit of God comes upon them to complete, to go and finish a a task, to do something for God. And the spirit of God comes on him and that should be enough. And he knows God has sent him on this mission. Uh, He says to the king of the Ammonites, let the Lord judge decide this dispute between the Israelites and the Ammonites. He he had faith. But also Jephthah was a great negotiator. He knew how to strike a bargain. I mean, when he talks to the elders of Gilead, uh, he bargains with them so they make him their head. The judge, a lifetime commitment. Now, he negotiates with the Ammonites, but the Ammonites, of course, even though he gives a strong argument from history showing that the land that was in dispute was over 300 years belonging to the Israelites, no, no, he's a strong, strong leader. And he's a good, good negotiator. He's going into battle, and he's going to now bargain with God. He's going to broker a deal. And so he begins to talk to God and says, God, if you do this for me, well, I'll make that vow. I'll keep that vow to you. Sometimes as Christians, we forget the character of God. God wanted to give them the victory. God wanted to give them triumph over their enemies. But sometimes we forget what God is like. We say, well, God, if you answer this prayer, I'll never ask you again for anything. Well, God, if you get me out of this mess, I I promise you I'll do this. And like Jephthah, we make our bargains and we begin to barter with God and negotiate with him. And there, Jephthah fails to realize that this was an unnecessary vow. Understand the character of God. God wants us to ask him and to keep on asking him. He wants us to learn to be dependent upon him, our heavenly father, all through the journey. We never outgrow our dependence upon the Lord. No, no, no. God just absolutely delights in giving to his children. He's a gracious, gracious God. 
You don't have to bargain with him and barter with him and negotiate with him. No. He makes that mistake. Now, not only did he make an unnecessary vow, something he shouldn't have done, he didn't have to do it, it was out of place. He also makes an uninformed vow. An uninformed vow. In Deuteronomy 18.10 it says this, Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire. Hmm. Let no one among you make a sacrifice to God with their child. Now, he knew some scripture. Now, he was probably illiterate. He probably, everything he learned, he learned either through memorization or through oral teaching. And Jephthah remembers one part of God's scripture. And often what happens is people get fixated on one particular truth. They dig in there, they anchor to that, to the exclusion of other truths that create balance in our life, that keep us from going off the deep end. He knew the scriptures that said, keep your vows, but he didn't know the scripture where it said, God said, don't sacrifice your children. Don't give them as an offering. In fact, he didn't read or didn't know or didn't understand Leviticus 27 that says when you make a rash vow and, and, and that vow is making in haste and, and you can't fulfill it, well, you can offer something else to God, another sacrifice. Had he read Leviticus or had he understood Leviticus, had he been familiar with that, he would have been okay. Well, Reverend John Wayne Brown stood on Matthew chapter 16 and he believed it with all of his heart. He had strong faith. I would say stronger than maybe most of us. But he didn't properly interpret it in light of other passages. I think about the book of Acts, the 28th chapter, the last chapter there, in chapter 28, Paul is shipwrecked on an island of Malta, and he's building a fire on a shipwrecked island, and a, a viper comes and bites him and holds onto him, and the residents of that island look, they're waiting for his hand, his arm to swell up, they're waiting for him to drop over and die, and he doesn't. But that was by accident, that wasn't presumptuously testing God. That wasn't putting God to the test. See, in order to understand God's word, you have to understand it in the big picture. You have to understand the whole picture. Uh, there's a book, I don't necessarily recommend it to you, but there's a book called A Year of Living Biblically. It was a non-Christian man by the name of A.J. Jacobs who wrote the book. Uh, he was going to endeavor to live one year biblically. Now, he lived in New York City, and uh, he grew a beard. He actually looked uh, like Moses. He practiced eating kosher food. Uh, he 
tried to follow the Old Testament scriptures perfectly so he would go to Central Park and on the Sabbath day, uh, he would look for Sabbath breakers and then the Bible says stone Sabbath breakers so he would take little pebbles and flick it at them and just turn away. Now the book was written and meant to be humorous and it it is, it is. But it was making the point that uh, sometimes we fixate on things in scripture and, and, and don't look at the whole thing. And sometimes we take things that are literal that shouldn't, again it was written through the eyes of an unbeliever but it does say something to us. As Christians, we must look at all of God's word. We must have a strong faith, but also have strong doctrinal understanding, a deep theology. Jephthah found himself in a situation that's described in the book of Proverbs when it said, don't trap yourself by making a rash promise to God and only later counting the cost. I love the passage of scripture that was given to Joshua. Don't let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to obey everything written in it. God's word, as we meditate, as we study it, as we endeavor to let it influence our life and we develop a proper theology. Again, some people fixate on the second coming, and I believe he's coming again. But they get off balance. All they think about is that. Or they fixate on grace and forget holiness, or fixate on holiness and forget grace. Sound doctrine, how important that is. So weak doctrine can lead to unsound religious practices or commitments, and it was an uncalled for vow, it was an uninformed vow, he didn't know scripture, he didn't know God's character, but it also does something else. Weak doctrine can lead to dangerous religious practices. In 1 Timothy 4.16, it reads, watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them, because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, here's Jephthah, He makes this rash vow. God gives him the victory. He was going to give him the victory. It's evidently the hand and the power of God. I don't want to read to you uh, verses 34 and 35 and 39 of Judges 11. When Jephthah returned to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter, dancing to the sound of tambourines? She was his only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. When he saw her, he tore his clothes and he cried, Oh, my daughter, you have made me miserable and wretched because I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break. After she goes away for two months to mourn the fact that she'll never marry and that she'll die, she returned to her father and he did to her as he had vowed. Now she was a like her dad, a person of strong faith because she willingly gave her life. She willingly allowed herself to become a sacrifice, a a burnt offering. One of the things that happened here is that Jephthah really reflected his culture. 
Jephthah, we can say, was more influenced by his times than by sound doctrine. We can be more influenced by our times than sound doctrine. Listen to Deuteronomy 12.31. You must not worship the Lord your God the way other nations worship their gods. God knew that the nations around them practiced religious practices that he abhorred, that he didn't want them to practice. But they were influenced by the Philistines. They were influenced by the Canaanites. They were influenced by all the various nations around them. And so he certainly was, Jephthah, was a man of faith, yes, but he also was a man of his times. It was a dark time in Israel's history where biblical knowledge was at a low. It was a dark time in Israel's history when people continually turned away from God and went further and further and further. It says, for they perform for their gods every detestable act that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters as to sacrifice to their gods. What Jephthah was doing is what so often happens. He was building a hybrid of faith, taking from the culture, taking from the Bible, taking what he knew of Jehovah, Yahweh, God, and including it in the culture. So often, uh, we do the very, very same things. In Timothy, it says, 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Hmm. How is it that we have beliefs in America that historically have never been a part of the church and that the church worldwide is not experiencing. We've prayed earlier about our persecuted brothers and sisters in Christ who are, some of them, losing their life, losing all of their possessions. And historically, the church has been willing to see this world as only a pilgrimage. We're just a passing through. But yet we have brought the American dream baptized it in Christian faith, and we believe we all should be healthy, wealthy, and prosperous, and suffering shouldn't be in the vocabulary of the believer, or we're influenced in other ways by the culture. What happened was he was influenced by his times, like we so often are. We're influenced more by our times than really the teaching of God. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of preachers on television, a lot of preachers on the radio, a lot of books being pumped out on the press. But with all of that, we still lack firsthand knowledge and skill of how to crack open the scriptures and, and study the Bible. I mean, you could just tell, if you listen to people when they call into those Christian stations and they have the question and answer period, the questions that they stumble over, you think, well, don't they have the simple beginning elements of truth? Not only can we and are we influenced by our times, sometimes more than sound doctrine, unsound doctrine can bring unnecessary suffering into our lives. 
Look again at verse 35 in the New Living Translation. It says, when he saw it, this is his daughter. He tears his clothes in anguish. Women in ministry is a topic that has a variety of opinions surrounding it. The book of Judges highlights a particular woman who is not only a mighty warrior, but a wise leader in the nation of Israel. Through this study, Pastor Ed will share with us the important role that women play in the body of Christ. And this is only one important truth we'll learn as we study the book of Judges. To learn more about Building in Faith, or to get a free copy of today's teaching, simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Although Building in Faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It's our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Judges, right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.